Hey guys, I am Tony Kitous, I'm founder of Contois Libanais, and apparently today I am number 20, episode 20. I hope you can enjoy my story and my journey. What's going on guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Riz Podcast. This is episode 20, and on today's episode, I've got a very, very special guest who I'm very honored to um, have his time and be able to share this with you guys. Um, I'm with Tony Katus, who is the founder of Comtoy Libanese uh, and multiple other restaurants, as well as uh, author of several cookbooks and um, someone who, for me personally, uh, we were just speaking before even uh, the camera started rolling that one of the main reasons that I really wanted to interview Tony, and, and I haven't actually said this to you, was uh, because I think you're an entrepreneur who's completely led by passion. Like your passion is what leads your businesses, but the business is just whatever you call the fact that this is how you want to live your life. This is what you want to do for people and stuff like that. So that's what I really found. And, um, you know, I was, I was in one of, uh, the Conto Libanese, uh, restaurants and, you know, the, the people that were working there were all like any restaurant that I've gone to Tony of yours there's a few things that I notice is that attention to detail is incredible. The staff are all so hospitable and there's some restaurants that you go to that you can tell that the staff that are there are kind of because they know that it's like a fancy place or whatever it might be. That's why they will, you know, give respect. But I truly feel whenever I go into a comptoir that the people are happy to be working there. They're happy to be serving us. And there is really that family atmosphere and, you know, that was one of the main reasons that I thought, look, I, I need to reach out to Tony here because this is a different type of, of, of restaurant. I don't get this feeling when I go into other restaurants. Um, so I want to kind of just start there. We, we've spoken a bit about the inception of um, Comtois Libanese, but if we start with where you are today then. So just to give yourself an introduction then, Tony, like tell us a bit about yourself, where you are today. And then what I'd like to do is go into your story of where you actually started from, because that is an incredible place uh, to kind of start to where you are now. So if you could kind of just introduce yourself a little bit, Tony. You could have just done it for me. <laughs> you, know, more, you seem to know about me more than I know about myself. This is all the Google. <laughs> um, yeah, I am welcome to podcast number 20. <laughs> I am number 20 now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, look, like, like, like you just said, passion is very, very important. Um, and uh, as you were talking about passion, yeah, it's very, very important in anyone starting something because mm -hmm. you have that passion and the business is vehicle. You inject that vehicle with a lot of passion and mm. it drives. And that's how it works. A business is a business. And then when you have, what makes a business? Mm -hmm. It's the team. Mm -hmm. What makes the team is the passion. Mm -hmm. What makes the passion is the drive and is the hunger and wanting to do something. That's what, uh, and passion doesn't just start like that. Just does not born mm. just with just passion. It gets built. It gets out of desire, out of situation. Mm. Uh, and um, from my personal experience, I know when someone is usually born into a situation where he doesn't have to do something um, 
he has food always on his table mm. he has everything he needs there's uh, every year there's summer holidays mapped up uh, they have a new clothes they have the new days as kids and when you see that they just for me this is where I think the hunger came from mm. is when you get deprived other people have yeah, from yeah. different uh, influences mm -hmm. but for me uh, I of course always I talk about my personal experience and I, I share my story but I'm sure other people have different story and different personal experiences mm -hmm. but uh, I, actually, I guess at the end of the day each of us has their own story have their own yeah. journey have their own experience is uh, is what you make out of it mm -hmm. uh, you know look for me I was you know, I was brought up um, I was born in Algeria mm -hmm. Uh, in a small uh, town called Tiziuzu and uh, I lived right across the road the football oh, nice. uh, pitch uh, football stadium uh, my team was called GSK is the equivalent of uh, Liverpool the class 92 G <laughs> uh, Manchester United you know that I was going to say that <laughs> before he said yeah Clearly, you're just to get that in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Liverpool today. Just, just the champions. <laughs> yeah, no, obviously. Um, I like to call it Class 92 of, yeah, yeah. Uh, of United. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, whenever they play, it's a sellout. Mm. And, um, you know, and you live right across the road. So mm. all your kind friends and neighbors, they do the same. So I started very young, probably eight uh, just wake up early mm -hmm. you know buy some tickets mm -hmm. you know uh, and then eventually a couple hours later sell them oh you scalp the tickets you know sell them for <laughs> a small profit and then uh, so this is when you're about eight to nine years old yeah it's there it's everybody who's doing it it's yeah, normal okay. for someone else it might right. feel strange someone is doing it at all, yeah, not just at yeah, eight yeah. or nine. It was no thing. It's, it's no hard. Yeah. It's not. It wasn't hard work. Yeah, yeah. yeah like <laughs> you know, you have the equivalent of five pound. You just go and buy ten yeah, tickets yeah, yeah, and yeah. go back and sell them. And that's how we were. That's what we were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one that there's no more tickets uh, available. Uh -huh. All you do is to go and make sandwiches, uh, lemonades. Yes, yeah, yeah and yeah. just sell them. My mother used to help me out, and uh, I think that is my first memories yeah. of how I started because a lot of sometimes people say when did you start 10 years ago 15 years ago just you know what I think now the more I tell mm. the story the more I think about it everything starts at such a young age who I am mm. today it's that's how I started then yeah. so and eventually everything you do afterwards is an experience as you mm. add it to it and the people you work with is part of the experience mm -hmm. and that's how it's like a snow yeah yeah uh, that experience is like snowboard and I think that's really how I started and uh, my father was from you know was humble obviously he was modest he was working has very steady job but I think I used to make whenever I on 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 a, I used to sell tickets and sandwiches 
you know, some good, mo you know, in three or four days a month, I could make more money than he made a month mm -hmm. at, at a very young age. But of course, he didn't know I was doing that. <laughs> he uh, would have killed me at the time. <laughs> they don't like uh, their boys going out and selling. Okay. Yeah. It's um, at the time they used to see it dodgy. I was just gonna N say. Now it's yeah. an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I got arrested once by the police. Oh, really? I was, of course, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, so yeah, so um, you know, it's it's that's how I've learned how to do things. That's how I've. Um, but then can also came out of the fact I'd never. My father was not the type of guy we couldn't afford it. Say, is, is your pocket money? Okay. Shall we go to the cinema? We, we didn't have that the, back then. So you have to you have to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah. And um, look, don't get me wrong. It's always there was always food on the table. Food on the yeah, table, yeah, yeah. but it was food. No, no yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, would you like to eat this or this? No. Yeah. One day it's lentils. One day just chips and some eggs. One day it's some lentils, uh, potato stew, but we loved it. Yeah, it's yeah. the best experience. And that makes me, every time I start eating, right now there's a, it is humble food, they're just like, it reminds me of my, mm. of my uh, childhood. Mm -hmm. And it's priceless. It's really, really priceless. So I think that is a little bit, that's what helped me. It's also the fact that, that also could be a help that my uncles, they're self-successful mm -hmm. from both sides. And then you see your cousins also, your rich cousins. Mm -hmm. And that also gave me the extra hunger mm. to, to do well. Yeah. Uh, I could technically be their poorest cousin mm -hmm. out of like 80 cousins <laughs> yeah. we have. Me and my brothers were their poorest. That, this also gives you that little bit of an injection of yeah. desire and hunger to do because without, you know, in anything you do in life, mm -hmm. when somebody watch football game says who's going to win is the one who wants it more, who mm -hmm. wants more hungry. Mm -hmm. In a in in a fight, in a boxing fight, mm -hmm. in a in a marathon, in a in a race, mm -hmm. in a business, mm -hmm. how much do you want something? Mm -hmm. Really, how much? We can mm -hmm. go back to this. How badly do you want something? Mm -hmm. This is where it's like it's, it's 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 down to. That is very very important. Absolutely. Remind me, we can go back to that. Um, and eventually summer holidays I could work here here left right and center and then I always managed to have a holiday sneak somewhere uh, in the summer spend time with f friends families neighbors so I had a very colorful childhood mm -hmm. and then um, when I was 18 years old supposed to go to baccalaureate uh, I had my baccalaureate supposed to go to university I uh, a friend of mine and I said let's go somewhere uh, let's go somewhere different we decided on London just like that and so we're interested in going to France I think been once before mm -hmm. Spain no and I think that decision that was made just like that <laughs> was that's what shaped mm. my future. Mm -hmm. and Whose decision uh, was it? Yours or your friends? Uh, to be honest, I think I can't remember. <laughs> you know, it's all I remember once said, why not? Why, uh, should we try London? And someone else says, why not? Okay, okay. One good. of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so we both, nobody argued about yeah, 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 yeah. it. So, so let's go to London. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I think it's almost like it was the same. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. We made it's it the fit. same. It's yeah. like 
the moment one said London, I said, why not? Yeah, uh, yeah. To be honest, I was 32 years ago. That is an idea. An idea and a decision that changed my mind, yeah, if yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. He could have, if either me or him, yeah, yeah. whoever recommended it, yeah. if he said, why not London? Someone said, no, never. Then that, you know, it's, it's, he wouldn't have done it. It's unbelievable. I was talking to my mother the other day about it, how something like and that small idea would change your life forever. Mm. We didn't say let's go to London. We came for two weeks and went back. Mm. Then we would have never been, but we'd have never got to meet each other. So, but that idea came about. We came to London, and we stayed a few weeks. Uh, had didn't have any money. I think mm -hmm. we had. I know definitely had seventy pound in my pocket, and I think I had the same. Uh, the first night. Uh, it was in 88, 6th of August, 88, in the summer. <coughs> and we slept in Victoria Station. The following day... We slept in the train station? We stayed in Victoria Station, okay. we slept in there. I think at the time it was open, it was no problem. Okay, yeah, yeah. They, they loved the ho homeless there. We were exotic at the time. <laughs> uh, and it was like all like, mixed in with the travelers. Yeah, and oh, I, okay, yeah, I was yeah, pretending yeah. I was one of those backpackers with my suitcase. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, and um, and then the next day we realized we had a friend of ours who had a brother who lived in London. Mm. Uh, he gave us his phone number, and we contacted him. He said, "Oh, come stay with me." Turned up, he was staying in a squat, <laughs> and we all stayed in a squat. So I stayed for th three months in a squat. I loved it. I loved. That experience mm. and at no stage it was crazy from strange in that squad was said some Irish punks and it's like you know it's like you coming from a different country mm. from the different continent from Algeria from Africa you come to London and you live in an abandoned house with some <laughs> punks the way they live and the way they're like wow and it was, and at no stage I was like, oh my God, I miss home. This yeah, is strange. Yeah. No, I was home. I also felt home straight away. Don't okay. get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. It was new, but yeah, I also yeah. felt home. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. so cut the story short. After two months, I was supposed to go back home. I, um, I didn't, I wanted to stay, but my mom said, you have to come back. You have mm -hmm. to come back. You know, when a Muslim mother puts all the, the pressure and the guilt on you <laughs> so you can't it's hard to say no so i went back supposed to go to university arrived to algeria the next day went back to algeria half i went to the university mm -hmm. i promise you half an hour i sat in the other at the class after half an hour i walked out said this is not for me mm. and um then i went back home to tell my mom my dad listen i think i decided <laughs> in my mind I need to go back and of course they didn't want I was 18 years yeah, old yeah. going on a holiday is one thing going to a country at 18 years old no money no friends mm. no no language no qualification in my kind of culture mm -hmm. it's very difficult mm -hmm. but I still don't know how they did it by the way to let me go but I was persistent persistent mm. uh, but it didn't it w I couldn't just trouble I needed their blessing but also I needed mm. they needed to give me because uh, I was 18 years old okay. I needed the permission because yeah. I was a minor <clears throat> um, so 
after two or three weeks, I was every day going to my dad, give me that permission, because they had to have it from the police, <laughs> signed by the police. Uh, and then every day says tomorrow, tomorrow. Then one day I went to my dad and I said, look, um, actually before that, they were sending me everybody, my friends, my neighbors, my schoolmates, my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, my grandparents. They were sending me everybody in my hometown to persuade me, you're young, stay, wait a little bit. What means now? I don't, everybody mm. say yes, 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 but my decision was made. Then eventually, I went to my dad and said, Dad, what's going on? Mm-hmm. When are you going to give it? He says to me tomorrow. I said, look, Dad, mm-hmm. if you think it will be tomorrow, tomorrow, so you can make me forget mm. and maybe think I'm going, I, I haven't been to university. <laughs> I've only been for one day. I think at that point, yeah. my dad understood. Mm. And I think I'm, uh, that I needed to go. Mm-hmm. My mom was the same. And by that time, they understood that I was, my, maid was, my mm. mind was made up. And uh, I had that authorization from mm. my dad, but I also had his blessing and I had my mom's blessing. Mm-hmm. But then for me, the, as soon as I got that piece of paper, I remember very well the day was that I still have a picture of my mom packing for me the day I came back. Um, and um, I took, the, I, I bought a ticket, I came back. On the day I arrived to London, as I was coming out of passport control, carrying my luggage with a trolley, and it's almost like a big thing came into my mind and said, wow, you thought now it's, that's it, you had everything, they, because that pressure, not mm-hmm. knowing whether I'm going to get that mm-hmm. authorization, it was a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like that message is, this is not the challenge. That is just the beginning. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> yeah? It's like that. Now the reality is hitting The reality now, hits yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But what hits me more yeah. is that in four or five years time, yeah. my friends and my, the, all the, my neighbors that are the same age, gonna... the people that I went to school with, yeah. to, are in university within yeah, four or yeah, five yeah, yeah. years they have their degrees one is a doctor was an mm. engineer one is a pilot one is this I know what's gonna happen to me yeah. I don't end up washing dishes yeah. for the rest of my life yeah. I said to myself within four to five years by the time they come out to university I will work hard save some money and to open my uh, a business mm-hmm. and I think that that was very, very, very crucial. That helped me mm-hmm. focus mm-hmm. for the next four to five years. Right. And that was so strong as a desire mm-hmm. that that's the only thing I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Every single day, I have to open this place. I have to open this business. I have to open this business every single day. But during the day, I was working for it, yeah, not just yeah, thinking yeah. about it. And when I was working, I used to go to people that I work with. I wanted to work as much as I could. Mm. If I could have worked from eight to one in the morning, seven days a week, I would have done that. Mm. Every week, day in, day out. I guess for you at that point as well, it was like, what else am I going to do? Am I going to relax and chill? No, 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 or no. Am no, I going to no, just yeah, work? Yeah. But I was still managing to after work, I used to go out, so don't. 
you know, with some friends. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So was, you had, you maintained balance. I was 18, 19 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. I sacrificed. I didn't mind going up two or three hours and yeah. going back to sleep. Yeah, yeah, I woke yeah. up tired, but still. You know, I think, and I I would have never said to someone, mm. I always to go, I can't work, I can't replace mm. you. I always said yes. I always to go to everyone that I worked with says, look, if you can't work, mm-hmm. if you don't want to yeah, work, yeah. if you're going on holiday, if you want to take day off, it's your birthday, let me know. They all mm. know. Tony will work. Yeah, the Tony will, will work. And I just remember so well, even at work, I promise you, I will remember, then one day someone, I was sitting, I was working, I was standing in this restaurant. And then it was this, kind of this English girl, waitress. She came to me, she said to me, Tony, how come you only just work, work, mm-hmm. work, work? Where is your life? Why are you not leaving? And I remember there was uh, another waitress. I think she's a half Indian. Mm-hmm. She didn't let me answer. She answered. said, in the culture of the immigrants, they like to work so hard when they are young mm-hmm. in order not to work, to work less mm-hmm. and to guarantee a future mm. when they are older there's one way to say mm. absolutely yeah because we when we're young and also as an immigrant we didn't come here yeah, yeah. to relax mm. we come here with a goal with a hunger to mm. to do better to mm. succeed and you've because got all this stuff to prove to people well, as well uh, to people but yeah percent maybe to my parents or to yourself without well, yeah. thinking you know what maybe I'm always the p- last person to prove to myself mm. for me it was to my parents but there's one element people don't understand how much mm-hmm. or what those immigrants had to pay mm. in order to come to this country when they say what had they had to sacrifice, yeah. they left their parents, mother, father, grandparents, school friends. They left their life behind mm. in order to go to a new life. For what? To have a job, mm. to get or to get a better job. Mm. And uh, some people risk their lives. Some people do this, but this is a huge thing. Eventually, with time, I, when I was eighteen, I didn't think of that. Mm. Now I think about it. Wow, my life is not the same anymore. Yeah. You know. And I'm very proud to be a British Algerian immigrant. Mm-hmm. I'm super proud. Mm. Uh, but what I say, who I am today, is the mixture of yeah. my childhood mm-hmm. and what I lived. I lived, lived here now. I lived here more. Thirty-two yeah. years yeah, here, eighteen yeah. years old. So, but we sacrificed a lot. Mm-hmm. So, for me is how hungry you are mm-hmm. for something how mm. it's it looks you know sometimes people just can describe me oh look at him he came with 70 pounds and today he has 35 restaurants first of all they just took it's like you have a cake <laughs> you take the cherry you take this and you leave the yeah, yeah, yeah. it does not work yeah, like yeah, this yeah. First of all, they just look at you as if you are on your own did that. It's yeah, not on yeah. your own, you have a team. Mm-hmm. It's a teamwork. You did it with everybody that worked with you. Mm-hmm. That's one. Second of all, they don't see the tears. Mm. They don't see the sweat. They don't see the blood. They don't see the anxiety, mm. the sleepless night, the mental health issues. Mm. They don't see all that. 
So that's why people, it's like saying, oh my God, I love George Clooney. Mm -hmm. I love um, an actress. Mm -hmm. They actually, they like the person in the role. They like the script. The image of it. Yeah, yeah the yeah, image. Yeah. They actually don't know what it consists of mm. in a real life mm -hmm. to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I promise you, 99%, it probably even more, mm -hmm. it's not glamorous. Yeah, yeah. People only see, yeah. oh my God, when you see the restaurants, when they open a new restaurant, yeah. when they, there's a cookbook, there's an article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or when there's a picture. Yeah. But that's not reality. So just talk to me a little bit about that then. So, because you could have had a very like uh, simple route simple easy life you could have gone to university you could have been an engineer and i say simple i mean for me personally there there is you know that has its own challenges but simple in the fact that that is well known people will always accept that route mm. whereas you've gone not only you know when everyone's gone left you've gone right mm. but you've done it in a different country away from everybody uh, don't get me wrong, because I don't want to sound like I was complaining. I love, mm. I love everything Absolutely, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think <laughs> without that love, I wouldn't keep going. Mm. <laughs> I think the way you made it sound, you you left a simple life or a simple thing Root. to do. The no, journey to, uh, could have been. The journey in your country to come somewhere where it's difficult. Mm. As a human being, mm. we tend to do better out of difficult situations, mm. out of awkward situations, if every, out of discomfort. If I was comfortable, I probably wouldn't be as hungry mm. as a human being. I don't know. Mm. You Absolutely. Know? So I think the fact I came with my situation, mm. and each person has his own story and his own reason what motivated him to do whatever they did mm. if that makes sense absolutely yeah you know i always tell which is i uh, honestly i never forget where i come from mm -hmm. i miss what i come from i miss my childhood mm -hmm. despite i thought it was tough then mm -hmm. i loved every part of it mm. and i miss it and i think i still want part of it mm -hmm to be in my blood in order to keep me going forever. Absolutely. And, um, and, and I got to learn more about life. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people, they think business is about making money to show it off. Or mm -hmm. I don't know what some people. <laughs> for, me, it was not, for me, it was about the hunger mm -hmm. to succeed. The hunger to do better, that, the challenge. And mm -hmm. of course, I love to do things that people our customers enjoy mm -hmm. and love. Of course, we still run a business. Mm -hmm. Personally, as a person, um, I've never been motivated by money. Mm -hmm. I was never that kind of person. It's just, it's all, it's, I think, that hunger and passion to mm -hmm. succeed that and to grow and to do, to make a difference mm -hmm. was it, it, that's what drove me and uh, also 
with time and with age they become more personal I want to educate about my culture mm -hmm. inspire young people share my story mm -hmm. if I can help them in one way or the other and also to get people to understand about our culture and about our tradition mm -hmm. and about how generous our culture is mm -hmm. we show our love with food food brings people together that everything we do unfortunately especially nowadays when they see things on TV they, mm -hmm. they think they know about our culture yeah, yeah, what yeah. they see on TV mm -hmm. so yeah I feel like I'm a little I, I feel like I'm I'm taking it my each of us is an, mm. his own ambassador yes yeah. of his own culture and country Absolutely. and one thing that I found in this country the that when someone comes to this country he is as anybody that is born here it, 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 the sky is the limit mm. yeah the sky is the limit um, there's no limits to what you can do mm -hmm. the only limits you there is is the one you put yourself absolutely so this country will encourage all kind of people from different cultures uh, to do well and I think when I came to this country I didn't come just as a body I came I brought my knowledge mm -hmm. I brought my passion I brought my hunger mm -hmm. that drive desire yeah, drive that desire and this country just provided you the yeah, yeah. Sort of the framework to be able to hundred percent and you they, up to where you wanted to get to and then I always tell people young people I always tell them depends what their background is and this, this is an opportunity mm. sometimes we don't understand it's difficult when you are this when you are that I said you know what it's actually much easier mm. when it's difficult because when it's difficult you should be hungrier mm. to do something mm. I don't want to make it sound easy yeah, yeah yeah but there's nothing that happens overnight mm. if that makes sense absolutely people absolutely. The, the one they say they describe someone they describe his success they discuss mm -hmm. the the this the, the, the more humble the more difficult is that person they go to that point mm -hmm. and they go to his more important point mm -hmm. where it says oh, this guy you know didn't have anything came to this country with five pound and now he's worth yeah, this yeah, yeah. yeah? they mm -hmm. talk about these two things mm -hmm. And they don't even say it took him 50 years. Yeah, 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 exactly. They don't even say what he's done. Do you understand? They yeah, almost yeah. make it sound, oh, he came to London with five pounds. <laughs> he's worth 70 pounds. It <laughs> almost came as soon as he landed, he's worth 70, no, 70 million. Whatever. You know what? People yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so they make it so easy. So let's talk about that then. Just um, you're, you're, you're in London. You're working in these kitchens. Your mindset is, I just need to work. I need to earn as much as I can that's my goal now four or five years time i want to have my own restaurant and so this is your first site right yeah uh, which is absolutely incredible to think about that we're sat here in a restaurant which you opened when you were 22 23 yeah. and so as you're kind of you know you're 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 washing those dishes and you're thinking about okay how much you know how much money can i save how much money can i keep what are you doing in terms of the actual like thinking about starting a restaurant are you 
going out looking at sites you no, know, no, how look, you form uh, this when business? I was working it's not how much money can I save can I, everything was saving okay everything was saving mm. obviously eventually I was living in a in a shared flat with a with a friend of mine um, I was eating at home mm. at work um, when you do 80 or 90 hours a week sometimes more mm -hmm. over four and a half years it's probably the equivalent of 10 years 11 years yeah, like yeah. four and a half years so I never had spent food uh, money on food because yeah, I was working yeah. <laughs> I think in uh, I paid the rent four and a half years but I was earning enough for like mm. as if nine years yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my I wasn't spending that much because I was always at work and everything was spent and every time I was feeling I was getting closer and closer and closer to the mm. goal that's how that's how uh, I felt mm -hmm. so and I think at one stage I was looking uh, uh, for something to to open and because I was working I wasn't serious enough or I was motivated enough because I was distracted because I, I was working mm. I thought you know what let me stop work okay. and so put my, I put my 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 uh, uh, my focus on looking for a restaurant mm -hmm. or so to open and eventually I did that mm -hmm. I couldn't really have found something every time I look at something and um, uh, at the time I had 60,000 or 66,000 pounds I remember um, I couldn't I couldn't afford to buy something or have something more than I could afford and then eventually I was looking at few sites didn't it didn't work out and then I um, remember it came to work here mm. oh really yeah I was okay. working I was working here and then one day after a few months the place uh, I came to work the door was closed it was a sign uh, saying that it's closed for um, it was closed the landlord wow okay I think they didn't pay rent right okay so I came back the next day still closed the following day six after a few days I just <laughs> realized it was not gonna reopen I called the, the landlord I said look I'm I'm interested mm. in renting the place yeah I was 22 with a baby face I remember with my ponytail <laughs> uh, I remember b buying a suit imagine that look baby face ponytail <laughs> long hair uh, with the suit uh, it just looks so it's like uh, a young kid taking picture for you know for his it was, it's strange yeah, to, yeah. To, to look back at it it's like and I remember buying a small suit uh, no a briefcase that <laughs> that Delsley mm. suitcase and uh, I got myself so in your head you just wanted to look the part I just look I wanted I wanted to look the part yeah. and I um, you wanted to be taken seriously you know, there's this another story um because I saw the other day on Instagram, no Instagram, on LinkedIn, uh -huh. this young, in a train, uh, I think a young black boy, mm -hmm. uh, going to job in interview, mm -hmm. and uh, in oh, there you can say man, yeah, an older man yeah, doing up his tie. He says, "Look at this man." He was doing up the tie yeah. to this young man mm. because he didn't know how to do his tie. It, I had goosebumps because I knew exactly 
what that young man was going through mm -hmm. and it's very difficult it's almost impossible mm. to see a young English white man not knowing how to do a tie because mm. in school they teach them this if, if that makes sense no, absolutely this is the so, whole thing yeah, that, yeah so that is where I knew exactly what that go the boy is going through and he brought back my memory yeah, 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 well yeah. I I did not know how yeah. to do a tie yeah yeah so I I had to go to I have the tie about it but <laughs> thinking it was very easy just do not it up, but <laughs> turned out to be not like that so I went to a shop on my way here in St. Christopher's a place called Woodhouse mm -hmm. so I was embarrassed also to tell them I don't know how to do a tie <laughs> so I pretended that was I, uh, I, I I injured my arm right, okay can you please help me do my tie wow that was my last challenge <laughs> so and then one minute later I went to this to my to to meet my landlord yeah. to that was my first restaurant wow. to meet my landlord to say like I'm interested in renting your restaurant mm. so that's how it started of course the landlord looking at you thinking like this guy is like so young and mm. you want to rent a restaurant in the middle of the West End two minutes from Bond Street station mm. and uh, it was still a recession 1993 mm. so Eventually, of course, the landlord wanting to know about me. But the first question, the, the, the real question is, do you have the money? Yeah, so yeah. I showed him, I had in my briefcase, I just had my bank statement. Mm -hmm. It shows I had 66,000 <laughs> pounds. He saw that, he said, you know what? The rent was four and pound a week at the time. Wow, okay. I had th three years <laughs> worth of rent, so he didn't have to worry about it. So uh, yeah, that's how my first restaurant started. Amazing, amazing. I wanna, I wanna, like, there's so much that, like, that can be taught, because between 1993 and I think 2010, there's so much that is almost like, uh, like, the, I'm guessing that you were just building in that time, because 2010 is when Comptoir Lebanese was born, 2008. right? 2008. 2008, okay. So between that, that's 15 years, so 15, 16 years between starting Levant and uh, Comptoir. 93 93 yeah okay all right my first restaurant 93 and mm -hmm. okay fine yeah so between that i think there was the acquisition of pasha as well between that time mm -hmm. as well but i want to talk about comtois now because this is obviously uh comtois is a completely different brand that i think the uk has not seen before and i think this is what your passion is and what your drive is is to normalize Lebanese food which is what Comtois is doing so I just want to talk about the how you guys started then how did Comtois come about look um, in 93 I started the restaurant and it was a European restaurant and I was doing it for about three or four years but I, 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 I started it as one thing I called it baboon Yes. Not yeah. knowing what even that meant because it sounded right. <laughs> and then, you know, it wasn't enough. I changed it. Mm -hmm. I gave it another, I refurbished it, I gave it another name also as a European restaurant. Then eventually I realized, you know what? Everybody's doing the same thing mm. as European. I would just well, let me do something that is different. Mm. That will. Then I started <clears throat> doing Lebanese food, Middle Eastern food. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started Levant 
Levant was obviously in 2000 mm. and that's when I was doing that and I was always enhancing 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 the experience uh, of Levant and bit by bit it was getting more and more and more and more popular all I was doing is focusing on the experience mm. the team attention to detail uh, the food the atmosphere the music the, de the design it's almost like when some whoever came in to the restaurant it's like they went somewhere for two or three hours mm. they landed somewhere in Marrakesh in Beirut in Istanbul in Cairo in Algiers really, yeah, yeah. it's that kind of feel um, and uh, and then the business was getting better and better I had another restaurant in Paddington uh, I called it Levantine I opened it and I bought Pasha from uh, Richard Kering uh, right after he bought all the the IV the Caprice and then I managed to to, to convert that into uh, you know to to, to, to to we bought that and we we kind of did exactly the same as what mm. we did with Pasha with the, with Levant and then I opened another one in the city called Kenza mm -hmm. similar to Levant we had the belly dancers uh, the music was amazing the, at the atmosphere was mm. e electric the food is like uh, it's like a feast mm -hmm. it was good for uh, for couples to come mm. for a group of friends for celebrations it was, it was just unbelievable it was like it was really electric the mm. atmosphere um, and then all along that was kind of mid-market you know to up you know around uh, people were spending like between 50 and 70 pound a head and then eventually I always wanted to do something all along something even before Levant I wanted to do something that was for everybody mm. you know when you go to the high street you see Chinese food Indian food um, burgers pizzas sushi all this casual mm. so how come they don't have Lebanese or mm. Middle Eastern casual and I think that's when mm. uh, and that was building Okay. I didn't do it straight in the back of my mind. I wanted to do, do it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it, and it was all there. But I was developing the idea, developing the idea in my head and a little bit on paper, and it's only when the opportunity for Westfield came about, mm. uh, then I realized how to put it in right. in Westfield, um, and that's how Comptoir started in 1988. Yeah. It's amazing because I remember. I remember. Um, when I went to when Westfield opened up, I think Comptoir was one of one of, if not the only halal restaurant as well that was there at the yeah. time. So halal was important for me because mm. I wanted to make sure that place for everybody: a student, mm -hmm. a nurse, a doctor, an office worker, a security officer, mm. a Muslim family. I wanted to be for also our food is Muslims, full of yeah, vegan yeah. vegan yeah, so yeah. I just want but I also wanted to make sure it's not expensive it's value for money yeah yeah I need to check on something sure, sure. so for me it's very very important um, it's very very important uh, mm. to um, uh, yeah it's very very important 
to have Contoir as accessible for everybody, mm. really, really everybody. Um, and I just remember the first day I opened in Westfield, it was like nothing I ever seen in my in my life, except the closest thing I've seen to it. The amount of people that were coming through is like when I was a kid selling right tickets and sandwiches in the in the football pitch in yeah, my hometown. Yeah. It's you see people coming in by thousands, except that day we were having a, I think we served about 3,000 people wow. on that day. All I remember, the food was running out. And I was calling the restaurant, said, send me food, send me all this. And then eventually he said, we, ha we don't have any more hummus. Wow. No. I said to them, send me anything you have. <laughs> and then afterwards they said, we sent you everything. He says, just come, <laughs> just come to help. No, it was, um, it was, it was, it was, it was that's how it started the first. And also, all those 19, in 2000, no, in 2008, 2008 yeah. was also another recession, mm, and yes. everybody's saying, "Oh, you're going to be mad to do it in Westfield." But uh, yeah, I think it's the best thing he's ever done. So, um, what I wanted to ask you now is about a lot of. I mean, e even up until this point, you've got multiple restaurants, right? And one thing that I've seen, uh, you know, myself is that some people they'll open up a restaurant or a cafe or whatever it might be and they stick to just that one and they don't grow further than that why is it that you've chosen to grow and have all these multiple and create a chain um, you know was that something that's important for you was that based on ambition and grow what is the reason that you've chosen to grow your brand and then also what has been your key to succeeding in growing that brand I think the people that only open one, choose to stay in one. Maybe they're cleverer than, why, than <laughs> I. They're smarter, you know, because we only have one life, huh? Mm. And enjoy it. I, I decided that was the route I want to take. Mm -hmm. I met my business partner who had the same ambition and drive. Mm -hmm. So, it's, you know, as I said, it's not about me. It's about mm. me, the team, and everyone out. And I was very, very blessed my business partner has the same vision as me on on that mm -hmm. um and uh, that was our drive that was our ambition um uh, it still is mm -hmm. despite covid mm. however one needs to be realistic right now it's about survival in mm. talking about this current climate of Absolutely, COVID. Yeah. But we always wanted to do better. We wanted to expand because we have the same drive, the same it's um it's part of of what we always wanted to do from the beginning. Mm. Yeah. So um that was what I wanted. I wanted to to do more and more and to expand and to create some uh, a brand that I could open whatever I could. Mm. Um, but I also question myself, why am I doing, why mm. am I want to open more and more? Uh, I can't give you the answer, except because probably I love what I'm doing. Well, I was gonna say from, from the outside, yeah. I, I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong, but yeah. I think it's because the mission that you're on is not to open up restaurants. You don't say have that. Like, okay, I want to open a hundred restaurants. Your mission is 
I want people to look at Lebanese food the same way as they look at no, something no, no, else, no. right? Of course, that's of course. That's of course. I always said it. I want people to, to no, no, look. What's the, because it's very, very mm. stressful. It's very hard. It's not, yeah. it's not like because people just oh, he's open another restaurant. Wow, congratulations! Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, it's when people say congratulations, say mm. thank you very much. But by the time I open and I sh tell people, people they don't say I've been exhausted, stressed. Like, oh my god, thank God it's over. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. opened it and I need to move on. I need to rest a little bit and move on to the next restaurant. I bet you people look at some of your restaurants like, oh, you know that Tony, so lucky yeah, you found yeah, this yeah, place. Yeah, so, You're lucky, so lucky, yeah. <laughs> lucky, yeah. No, but of course, there's other things that keep me going and dry because I think nowadays also when I see people eating, I know how how good is our food, mm -hmm. how healthy is our food, how simple, mm. how humble. Um, it caters for everybody to share the freshness, simplicity, vegetarian. Uh, vegan or even the the, the meat dishes mm -hmm. it can be very healthy than people think um, is I wanted to be people to eat the food not just on occasions and not to put it as an ethnic mm. type of food I want people to eat it on a daily basis mm. whether it's in a restaurant whether it's at home I wanted one day supermarkets where they started to be very honest to start stocking the ingredients mm. yeah I want the food to become as popular as Italian food I mm. always said it and want I, say, I want people to feel and, and 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 the reason why Italian food has become so popular yes it is very good food mm. but it's also people worked on it mm. to popularize Absolutely, it yeah, yeah. and Lebanese food or Middle Eastern food could be the same mm. we need to work at it we need to do more and if I obviously if I had another 20 people like me all around the world mm -hmm. people will be talking about Lebanese food today as like Italian yeah, food yeah, yeah. If, if, if that makes sense yeah, and I think it had, it had what it takes I know probably I'm sounding biased but I do actually know it is the kind of food that people looking at it as a trendy food, mm. as fashionable. It is not trendy mm -hmm. and it's not fashionable. It's a, it's a food that existed. Yeah. It's the most humble food mm -hmm. you can find. And it's not food people eat it today because it's fashionable and we move on to... Mm. to no, it's, 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 it's a food that is going to be here mm. and it's going to be to stay. And I think it's going to be, hopefully one day, to be as popular, mm -hmm. if not more popular, than Italian food, as long as more and more people doing it. Absolutely, absolutely. Tony, we don't have too much time, but I, I really do want to ask you about this subject of sacrifice, risk. And I think you, you said it a little bit earlier as well about how badly somebody wants something. Okay. I think this is what it's all about. It's really, really, that's what it's down to. Um, with time, I tell you, we always have to say we have the blessing of our parents. Mm -hmm. In our religion, we believe a lot in that. Mm -hmm. And also, we have to thank God at all time. We always have to say, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Uh, and we need to thank God. You know, we never, never, never ignore that, that huge part. Mm. Uh, we're blessed uh, by our parents, blessed by God, uh, but there's another element also we have to work for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can't just say, Inshallah, Alhamdulillah, and sit at home and nothing <laughs> happened. Uh, 
um, that is very very important mm -hmm. to get all the blessing from the parents um, but just like I said you have to be super super uh, hungry for success mm -hmm. in anything you do if you walk into somewhere very casually and not keen thinking it's easy mm -hmm. if it is that easy that means everybody will be doing it then it's no longer easy mm -hmm. if yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense absolutely yeah 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 but the more if you if someone walks in into something easy that means it's easy to get that mm -hmm. means everybody will get it yeah if it was difficult mm -hmm. that means difficult to get but if it's difficult and you go for it and you fail you have to go again mm -hmm. and you fail and you go again and you fail and you go again and you fail because it's almost like you are it's that, like the light at the end of the tunnel mm -hmm. you need to dig and dig and dig but when you dig you don't know if the light is after one meter <clears throat> or after one kilometer mm -hmm. Business is like that. You have to dig and dig and dig and dig. Persistence is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Giving everything you can is very important. Mm -hmm. Throwing yourself physically, mentally, and your soul and everything you can take with you mm -hmm. in order to make sure that this business will, will succeed. What helped me for me is that fact that when I landed in London, pushing my trolley and thinking, now you're on your own. Mm. In four or five years, all your friends will come back with you. And what, what about you? Mm. It's, I still question that. As an 18-year-old, no, I'm not talking no about me. As an 18-year-old, to have that maturity mm. and that message, and because that was that situation that helped me. Yeah. If my father's going, okay, his son, his couple of grand for you. Mm. At that age, probably, and if you need any, call me. Maybe I would never be. Oh, probably not. For sure, I would never. I would not have that hunger to succeed. So I think the fact that you have that hunger, and every single day of my life, mm -hmm. I was looking at that goal, and I was feeling I was getting closer and closer and closer. Mm -hmm. It's like tiny, tiny, tiny steps. Mm. And it depends how you can see it. Oh my God, still too far? Or I'm saying I'm getting closer. Mm -hmm. Some people say it all or nothing. There's no such thing all or nothing in business. Mm -hmm. It's about small, 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 small steps. Yeah. So I came across a book called the secret the law of attraction I read it and I have to tell you I believe in that book mm -hmm. so much because it's so damn true mm -hmm. if you believe in something and if you are hungry enough and you're determined mm -hmm. to get this thing I believe you'll get it but the more hours you, you put into it, the more effort, 
the more likely you're gonna get mm. but at the time it's nothing happened overnight you mm. have to go you know you have to one one door opens mm -hmm. another one closes then the other open and eventually you find your way I find that um, uh, when you set out to do something like this that you believe in whether it's God or whatever challenges that and tests that that belief so a lot of curveballs come your way at the at the start to really see like no, look, is he is this person serious about this it depends how you believe in it mm. it depends how how much you believe mm. in life this full of hurdles and curveballs mm -hmm. um, when you if you're passionate about it, determined to do something all the curveballs you can handle uh, the, 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 the cur the curved balls <laughs> uh, you can handle them all the difficulties you can handle them mm -hmm. because you're passionate enough yeah. because you believe you will sit there yeah mm -hmm. you know you need to go through it you just go through it and because you're already, already deep in that mm. you've committed to it you committed to it yeah. and you can't go back mm. that is that kind of thing mm. so and then eventually when you get somewhere and then you because sometimes to get there is is not easy it's very difficult mm -hmm. it's very very difficult but you have to be determined mm. hungry you need to have the rage mm. to do it and then once you get because for me my my big dream and i pray god all i want is to open this restaurant please god mm. by the time i'm within four years five years maximum when i'm 22 23 i want to open it eventually open that restaurant mm. I have to tell you the moment I open that restaurant that dream I wasn't thinking about it anymore mm. I was just I was already in that dream the reality is, is there now. I was already yeah. in that reality and once yeah. you're in that reality all I wanted to do is survive mm. it was difficult I thought it was easy mm. it was about surviving survive 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 mm. survive and then eventually I survived it I did the other restaurant and then afterwards to open more and to stay in business you need also to have another type of th uh, thinking is is what will keep you going mm. is you need to love what you do you need to be mm. a bit passionate because mm. a lot of people when they're no longer hungry yeah they're no longer driven absolutely like they say about uh, was it Rocky? He starts sleeping in silk sheets, and then that's when you start losing because you got comfortable. One hundred percent, hundred percent. Silk is no good. <laughs> it's no good for everybody yeah. because you're comfortable. Yeah. And then after a while, that silk sheet is not soft enough. Mm. You want something softer. Mm. So in life, it's a little bit like that, but it's a balance. So do you feel, Tony, that you are? You, you put yourself in these positions where you're constantly being challenged. Is that is that what you're driven by? Challenge is good. In, in, in uncertainty is good sometimes because I'm, in, if you're always comfortable, you're not going to do something. Mm. You need to get yourself out out of your comfort zone in order to to do better. Absolutely. Yeah. If it's if it's easy, that means you're still within your comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just kind of two final questions that I have for you Tony um, first one is is about coronavirus and how you and your businesses have done in COVID and how have you managed COVID and I suppose what are your plans now post COVID or potentially lockdown again it's very crazy right now look um, 
it's difficult for everybody. Mm -hmm. It depends. It's difficult for on the personal point of view, and it's difficult for business. For us, it's a business. For someone else, it's his job or their job. Uh, it's something for me. I w I just think it's such something so serious. Mm. Uh, of course, I want to be. Uh, as positive as I can mm -hmm. because that's we need to be positive mm -hmm. business wise uh, all it is is about surviving mm -hmm. it's not about expanding mm -hmm. it's about generally generally surviving mm -hmm. um, I remember just at COVID we had about 800 people plus also we have also maybe about 1,000 people indirectly mm. with the consultants with uh, uh, suppliers with this mm -hmm. and uh, it's a hard decision because we have imagine thousand mm. families that rely on us yeah um, and we need to get make sure the business survives we had to do everything we could um, in order that the business survives mm -hmm. Uh, I think a business partner who had to go through probably 12 hours a day every day negotiating writing emails doing this doing that with landlords suppliers and this to make sure and also the team have to deal with the HR issues mm -hmm. making sure everybody's well and safe the mental side of the team mm -hmm. and taking care of the furlough we you know and um, when we opened we knew it was going to be bad mm. uh, we we thought it was going to be really really bad mm -hmm. and it turned out to be a little bit better but we're still really bad mm. at least we prepared ourselves mm. for it then came that help out to eat out mm -hmm. eat out no the eat out to help out, out. Um, it was good it was more I was surprised it was going to do so well mm -hmm. but then came that following month and everything dropped uh, we weren't surprised that it dropped mm -hmm. um, now we're trying to do it look every 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 business mm -hmm. is in it but I believe the businesses that will survive mm -hmm. is the ones that have stronger uh, foundation mm -hmm. from a lot of aspects from they have some cash Mm -hmm. reserve for the rainy days mm -hmm. or for the COVID days mm -hmm. now I think the public call it COVID days or the <laughs> rainy days um, to make sure they negotiate with the landlords to make, to make sure it's all about the costs mm. that they control and control and control the costs uh, um, and um, and there's also the um, any 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 business that is just average before COVID or mm. was finding it hard before COVID I thought it would be survive after COVID mm. it's, it's, it will be the, the, the survival of the fittest mm. the fittest is many ways to describe the fittest companies that have cash reserve companies that had already put everything in place to come out through this uh, 
situation, the people that worked so hard to negotiate with the landlords. So business-wise is that, and also families also is very important. We mm. need to stay safe. When I say that families need to stay safe, for me, I have two families, a huge family, which is my mm. team, our team. Uh, they still our team. We spend more time at work than at yeah. home. Make sure they are safe. And also, I have my family, my my brothers, uh, my sister, my mom. And we're worried about the older. Mm. Uh, we need to be responsible. Absolutely. My last question to you, Tony. I want to um, end this with as much value as I can for the people that are watching mm. and listening to this. A lot of the people that are watching this are watching this because they are at a point where you know some will be running a business and they're watching this to get extra tips on how to go from 60 to 100 but there's a lot of people watching this are, are at zero right now and they're in that 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 mind space where they're thinking about you know I want to do business maybe they've got an idea maybe they've started something but generally they're, they're at that beginning stages so what if you are your principles and I suppose your, you know, for want of a better word, your keys to success? It's actually a difficult question because they are at zero. I'm mm. talking about the ones at zero. Zero for me is thinking about starting something. Mm -hmm. If I have to share my zero, mm -hmm. my point of zero, it started five years before I started, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I had that goal, mm -hmm. but I gave myself five years to work for it. Right. I didn't say, tomorrow I have to start a business and mm. do this and do that. So what that helped me in those five years, it helped me get money, it helped me build the hunger mm. and the drive to do more and more. Mm. To, and. Uh, Yes, I worked in restaurants. I have to say something, but I did not gain experience mm -hmm. because I was so young. I had zero experience. All the thing in money is enough. I did not think that you needed experience. That experience, <laughs> I got it once I opened trial mm -hmm. and error, if that makes sense. I have to tell you that by the time I opened my first restaurant, I probably knew much less than one percent of what I should have known. Okay. <laughs> the only thing that I did, I yeah. had money and I worked in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. I didn't do management, stock take, uh, training, mm. recruitment, marketing, no nothing. Mm. But when I had the money, I thought that's enough. Mm. So I think it's very, very important. That's for me, that's my personal experience. So, so you, you've, you have a goal, and you work towards that goal yeah and you stay driven towards that goal yeah i was determined mm. it was going to happen it was not a choice and when you have no choice it's actually easier mm. it's easier to have a goal mm. that is so difficult <laughs> with no choice than having a less difficult goal <laughs> with a lot of absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. you have two or three choices yeah, yeah. because when you have two three choices are you not focused yeah, yeah yeah if that makes sense and the other thing that i think is quite interesting about what you're saying as well is almost that the 
ignorance of not having the right experience. I mean, if you knew the things that you should have known to start, you possibly would have taken a long, longer time to start, or you would never start. You would never have started. I think you're absolutely right. If you know, mm -hmm. also there's also the thing that when you don't know, people don't want to do something. But if you know how difficult, how painful, how you probably will never go through it. But there's also the unknown mm -hmm. is a kind of is an adrenaline. Mm. Um, but a lot of people don't give it enough time. Yes. To uh, to succeed, mm -hmm. they think boom, one try, boom, one try, boom. You know they say mistakes. I saw I made so many mistakes. I made some mistakes. I wish she didn't do this. Actually, I am so happy now with age. I know I made these mistakes, and I'm so glad I made those mistakes because those mistakes that what helped me who I am become today. Mm. When you talk about the vaccine for coronavirus, mm. they call them. They need six months to find the virus, mm -hmm. so they do a lot of trials. Mm -hmm. They call them trials, they don't call them mistakes, <laughs> if that makes sense. Because the first trial, oh, it doesn't work. Second, it didn't work. Yeah, Was that yeah, a mistake? Yeah. No. So that's how mm. the word mistake, in life, the way I look at it, there is a mistake and there is a mistake. I'm not mm. talking <laughs> mistake to kill someone. No, don't get me wrong, yeah, but yeah. sometimes the word mistake is an important not sometimes most of the time is an important part mm -hmm. of someone's experience and someone's journey and mm -hmm. someone's you know you you can make 10 mistakes and as long as they're not the, the same the same mistakes <laughs> 10 times then you have a problem but if you have made 10 mistakes and each mistake is different mm. and each mistake you learn from it that's make you better and you mm. understand that's, that's experience and yeah, wisdom, it's an experience and, uh, and wisdom so determination is without a doubt mm. patience anger but you cannot undermine it's not business mm -hmm or whatever you call it success I don't like because people use success only at work mm. you know that word success can be in many multiple mm. things you know whether it's at home whether it's in education whether it's at work there's no such thing of success on on your own mm. every single person in this world has succeeded in their field it has succeeded because of a team you can't say who's successful child in school mm. because he had his teacher because he has his parents mm -hmm. he has he had his environment mm -hmm. everyone has a team with him behind him working with him in order to succeed you see Djokovic mm. you think he's on his own no he's not on his own mm. you see Anthony Joshua in boxing on mm. his own. He's not on his own. He has a team. Mm. Has a team of like 20 people mm -hmm. on a different aspect. You have an actor. He has a team. Mm -hmm. 
we have Steve Jobs, he had a team. Mm-hmm. There is nobody, Madonna had a team around. There's no, there's no one, it's all about the team. Mm-hmm. And usually, for me I always say now, I just because obviously I understand how I have, some of our restaurants are open, mm-hmm. they're serving and I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. That means it's a team. They're yeah, doing yeah, their absolutely. job. Yeah, I'm doing yeah. my job, and you're doing your yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. My uh, our accountant is doing your yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. Our chef is doing his job. My business partner is doing his job. Mm. Uh, our uh, driver is doing his job. So it's all. Mm. And to be very honest, uh, I say there's no role is more important than the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all different responsibilities. Absolutely, yeah. You know, if on the day, on a Saturday night when you're busy, the kitchen porter doesn't come, mm. you're not going to have clean plates or clean cutlery. You mm. can't, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Every role is important. So, team is very, very important. Having the right team is extremely important. Training the team is technically a non stop mm-hmm. all the time all the time mm-hmm. all the time like doctors that doesn't mean once they qualify they yeah. don't train anymore because there's always new something new mm. new technology new yeah, yeah, yeah. medicine and new trials so that's all we'll say i think it's it's you need to understand that it's not a one-man show there's no such thing as mm. a one-man show absolutely it's a teamwork and so now just to end things off what is the future for Tony Katus? What's the future for Comptoir? Uh, look, it's um, for me personally. It's my work is my uh, is my future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd have answered that question easily <laughs> last year. Last year, but difficult <laughs> now. Uh, but I like to stay positive, mm-hmm. um, just like uh, our team. Mm-hmm. When I talk to my business partner all the time, says we, we stay positive about. But right now, it's about surviving okay. in terms of work. And then once the storm mm. is over, the dust is set, and then we'll have a clearer picture of yeah. what's happening. And then we can honestly answer you. It's very interesting. Anybody answering you now is like is only as good as a guess. Yeah, yeah. People tell you, what do you think we're gonna do? We don't know because yeah. nobody knows. <laughs> a lockdown is based on many factors. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely. So a lot of things. Every decision is based on certain factors. So mm. if I tell you my future is this, mm. it's you know nobody can tell you mm. what is gonna happen. I think once the storm is stops the dust is settled and then you have a clearer picture mm-hmm. of what we can do and even then it still takes time even when the the dust is settled you still just can just take it step by steps survival survival is not an easy thing by the way so yes yeah, so just to, to to kind of cap things off then um, how has because uh, I mean it's just very fascinating because mm. you know I suppose your whole entire mindset has had to completely change when it comes to running your business. You know, when you're uh, when you're retaining capital in the business for, say, for example, extra investments into new restaurants, new stuff. That's all now changed, right? Your whole 
your whole vision, everything has to stop on a weekly basis then because you don't know what's going to you know, happen it's, tomorrow. It's, and it's, of it's, it's all, all, all about now, right now. Surviving. It's, it's this so much uncertainty in this mm. world that it's all, all about surviving. Of course, there is tiny part of the, of this, of, of the industry that is doing well, mm -hmm. such as Amazon of this world. Uh, but in general, it's full of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. I, um, I personally, as a person, I'm not this most cautious person. I usually I take risk, and but obviously this is reality. This mm. is fact. It gave me back. It brought me back to reality. However, uh, I have a business partner who was all his life cautious right every steps is got calculated mm. and before covid we used to balance each other mm -hmm. uh, i can't say that i made him take risks because i don't because he's very cautious mm -hmm. but definitely i learned a lot from him where to step back and you can't just take risks mm. like we did uh in the past, um, no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we can't. Okay, I repeat. Uh, my business partner obviously is uh, very cautious. Mm -hmm. uh, naturally, is very cautious. I think the fact he was very cautious helped our business be who, where we are today mm. but more importantly it's imagine someone who's cautious bef way before COVID <laughs> yeah how much he helped them when they are yeah. when they are times like this say so helped us to have some money on the side to help mm. to carry us you had that safety net yeah that, uh, that uh, post-covid but i don't think one can plan mm. the only plan you can plan is to survive mm. if that makes sense mm -hmm. we talked about it a lot sometimes about some people you give them some conditions Um, in life, huh? If you tell someone, "Oh, th this is his salary," then can you work for more mm -hmm. or for less? It will tell you no. Um, and then, because uh, all he's thinking is about money in, in this current uh, situation, mm -hmm. huh? All he's thinking is about money. I complain about the money, but the moment. He has someone so close to him in hospital, or that person is in hospital mm. with very serious condition. The doctor telling him about mm. it's critical, you might not survive. Mm. And then you start talking to him about the salaries. Mm -hmm. He says, I don't care about the salaries, I'm only thinking about whether to live or yeah, 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 about yeah, my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Where the in the beginning, shift. they were only thinking about mm. the money. 
So survival is this. You mm. just need to make sure mm. you put your priorities right. Absolutely. And um, uh, it's, it's unknown. Nobody. Anybody that can say this is what's going to happen, <laughs> it's a guess. There is data and there is algorithm. But if you ask one thousand people, they all give you different ideas what's going to happen. Mm. And whoever told you that's what's going to happen, it's a combination of luck mm -hmm. or maybe the few things and uh, ifs and you know a lot of ifs. It's educated guessing, but it's still guessing. Yeah, it's it? still a guess. Yeah. Nobody can can tell you because. You don't know where, where it's going to come from. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen next week. Mm. In August, mm -hmm. where were you? In August, yeah, I was at home. You were at home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. People are going up to restaurants. Oh, in August, was, yeah, I, yeah. I, I was, was in uh, Manchester. Yeah, I was yeah, that yeah. area was at Rushdale or uh, whatever it is yeah, in Manchester. Yeah. I promise you, you could no not walk. No, you could not walk. <laughs> Restaurants, this eat out to help, but oh, the oh curry my miles, lord, cool, isn't it? lord. Roads, you yeah. could have seen some people doing five, six, seven, nine people a <laughs> night. Look what happened. Yeah, at that time, people thought that's it, it's over. People forgot. Yeah, it's not over. My business partner said, What the government did, they put a lid mm. on it, it's like pressure cooker. Mm. That the moment they remove the lid. And he just said it. They could know. Even our industry. He was talking, and he's super clever, my business partner. He was saying that, you know, they could have been tougher with the restaurant business. Mm. So what do you say? That he said, but they didn't want to do that because if they did that, it would be like throwing X on their face because only in August is go and eat and help <laughs> yeah. out, and all of a sudden you closed it. That yeah. means what you've done didn't work, mm. and that caused it. So it's um he just actually don't know. True, you try, you stop, you do this. Whatever you do, you're mm. not sure if it's gonna be right or wrong. Mm -hmm. They have the health advisors, you have Richie who's holding <laughs> the wallet, and between them they are, they come from two different mm. arguments. One is saying we need to work mm. in order to pay. Yeah, yeah, and to survive. The other one says we need to stay home mm. and to be careful in to survive. Mm. They survive and survive. One surviving with food and money. The other one surviving with their health. Mm -hmm. And the politician Boris has to make a tough decision. I don't want to be Boris right now. <laughs> you know, I don't know why he wanted to do it. Yeah, I remember when Boris was smashing, hating what's her name. Um, with criticizing her, attacking uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Theresa May, Theresa, and yeah. I was thinking, poor lady, what she's <laughs> going through. Uh, and probably is going through the same. Imagine you making the worst decisions, mm. the, the most difficult decisions, and you don't know if they are mm. the best or the worst. I think especially at this time, it's like you can't make a right yeah. decision. You can't. Whatever you, you do is going to be yeah. a wrong decision. You know, if you're driving, and you're going, you know where you're going, but you come across two roads. Am I going left or right? Am mm. I be wrong? You always, you know, you, 
you get you get it wrong you waste 10 minutes half an hour but here any decision you can take the whole country with you which mm. they did to be honest so it's tough absolutely very very tough absolutely so um, it's uh, I think like everyone else said is the most challenging time mm. that anyone came across but that's also reality my business partner always used to say you never know what can happen we need not to do this project we need to leave somebody else you never know you know what I always supported him but in my mind I said what can happen <laughs> honestly I, oh, yeah, we, yeah, we don't yeah. Really, yeah because obviously we didn't have to just do something for sake of doing yeah, it yeah yeah and you know what? I said this really is going to do your <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen but he just didn't want to say it it's, you never know in, mm. in business it's a difficult thing gut feeling mm. decisions it's uh, there's a lot of but I remember one thing someone once told me in life mm -hmm. the harder you work the luckier you get absolutely yeah yeah which means luck that doesn't come to you mm. you have to go to it yeah yeah and means you have to do I have to work very hard but also you make a mistake every then between each mistake there's luck mm. that means that's that's where that experience come into it absolutely mm -hmm. Tony thank you so much for it's your a time, pleasure uh, really really honestly thank you so much for your time uh, you're probably one of the busiest people that I've met no, <laughs> and, no, no, no. and that to someone who is you know running an empire in the no, no, hospitality no industry uh, which has been, you know, worst affected by this. This so it um, definitely has. I have to say, but I'm sure other probably industries have been affected. I don't mm. know how. Don't know because I don't know. But with us, it's definitely, definitely, because one of the, you know, you know what's our busiest department. It's our accounts department and the HR, because mm -hmm. they have to deal with a lot of things. They have to do a lot of regulation. And the health and safety of mm. our chefs, we have to make sure that our staff are safe, our customers are safe, the accounts department make sure they just work on the costings mm. and on the, be careful on the money. So yeah, even when it's furlough, the furlough is our accounts department, they've been up to their eyeballs, mm. making sure everybody got paid on time. It's, it's uh, hopefully, We'll meet again. Inshallah. Inshallah. In six months' time, nine months' time, we look back and talk about this today. Mm. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so, inshallah. Thank you so much, Tony. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Guys, make sure that you check out Comptoir Lebanese if you haven't already. Um, there's 35 locations, uh, and um, you know, especially if you're in and around London. Uh, make sure you check it out. My personal favorite, just to let you know as well, is the lamb kofta and halloumi burger. Uh, I really like that when I went Lamb there. and halloumi burger. Oof. Yeah, it's very nice actually. Very good. But I'm going to try the salad that you said that you eat about four times a day. That's fatouche. Fatouche. But also you should try uh -huh. the french fries. I did. I love your french fries. With garlic. A lot of garlic. The, the sauce. Yeah, yeah. the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, That's special. The garlic. <laughs> it's the garlic. Do you have a recipe for that in your books? The, the garlic, garlic yeah. yeah, in one of the cookbooks. But I have three cookbooks though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So, um, 
Hope to see you in Comptoir. Inshallah.